Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special wild card playoff edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We are going to be going through all four wild card series. We got the Guardians and the Rays, the Mariners and the Jays on the American League side. Then we'll be talking about. Uh, let's see, we got the Mets and the Padres and then the Phillies and the Cardinals. So we'll be going through all of those. We have all five regular hosts uh, with us tonight. I'm going to skip the uh, introduction for time purposes because we don't know how long this show can go. Typically, they do uh, run well beyond an hour. So uh, all five of us are here. These games are basically Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The home team uh, in each series is gonna is gonna host uh, all three games, so it's pretty quick. And then we'll be back on Sunday to do basically the same thing for the divisional series. So, gonna be a lot of playoff uh, podcasts over the next uh, several days and. If anything Red Sox related does break, we will, of course, come on and cover that. So we're going to get right into things, starting with the Guardians and the Rays series. And we're going to start off with uh, the new bastard on the crew, Cody Paulson. So, Cody, tell us who you like in that first series. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you, Terry. Uh, I think for the Guardians and Rays series, um, I got to go with, with the Guardians here. The pitching out of Cleveland has been too good coming down the stretch. I believe it's over the last like double-digit starts. Um, Bieber, McKenzie, and Quantrill are all low two ERAs. They've got a dynamite bullpen and and a deep uh, a deep lineup that you know kind of puts pressure on the opposing pitching staff and the opposing defenses. Right? They make a lot of contact. They play good defense. Uh, they don't make outs on the bases. Um, you combine all of that with with the three home games. I think that's going to be a little too much for for Tampa to overcome. Um, the makeup of Tampa should be a good postseason team, right? You know, you have defined roles for all of your players. You have the bullpen um, that they like to build over there with the openers and then the long relief guys. But for whatever reason, they don't seem to get it done in the postseason. Um, you know, there's a lot of roster flexibility for them. You would think it would put them in positions to to kind of put these series away, but, uh, you know, in years past, they haven't been able to get it done. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think we'll see the guardians in three. Very good. Uh, Jason, go ahead. How do you see the series going? Yeah. I also like the guardians in this one. Um, the pitching matchups are pretty even between the two, at least through the first two games. I mean, Bieber, McClanahan, and then McKenzie against Glasnow. Those are going to be some good pitching matchups, but I just don't think Tampa can score enough runs to keep up with Cleveland. Cleveland's offense is really good. It's not just Jose Ramirez. Their, their entire infield is nasty. Rosario hits, Naylor hits. So, you know, Jimenez is still one of the best second basemen in baseball. Um, their outfielders hit, even though somehow uh, Miles Straw I just saw this today, 152 games, zero home runs. I didn't know that was possible in the modern game, but he pulled it off. But even even with that, their offense is really good, and their bullpen's gross. Emmanuel Classe is probably the best closer in the American League. So I just I like Cleveland's offense better. I don't think Tampa's going to be able to score enough runs. 
Um, I think McClanahan and Glasnow will do what they can, but Glasnow sort of just came back. I mean, he missed a lot of time this year, so I don't know how much you're really going to get out of him. I don't think you're going to get a seven, eight inning, you know, classic out of him. So I, I like the pitching matchups in Cleveland's favor. I like their offense better and I like their bullpen better. So Tampa might put up a fight, but honestly, I'm expecting a sweep from the guardians here. I just think they're the far superior team. Well, we're starting off three and zero here with uh, picking Cleveland. You know, I wanted to pick Tampa just for the experience factor, but you know, Cleveland has a huge advantage. Now, you tell me McClanahan and Glass now, I'd say, yeah, that's great. But, you know, like Jason just said, you might not get seven or eight out of Glass now. He's only pitched six and two-thirds all season. I don't know if there's any precedent in recent history for a pitcher to come back this early and just start game two of the playoffs. Uh, Tampa needs to steal the one of the first two games. Uh, well, obviously they didn't win one of them, but I'm saying that they really need to probably get that first game to take some of that pressure off. I think Cleveland has pretty good pitching. Love their bullpen. It is just filled with lights out guys. And well, not to harp on Jason's point yet again, but class A at the end, you're not touching them. Uh, I'm going Cleveland, which is shocking to me, but I really didn't like the way Tampa ended that series against Boston. Very good. Charlie, go ahead. Say Tampa, Charlie. Just do it. Okay. <laughs> Tampa, Charlie, just do it. I think that was the order that you said after say. Uh no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Cleveland in three here too. I don't think that it's going to be a sweep. I think that Jose Ramirez is the best third baseman in baseball. The Miles Straw bit that Jason mentioned, yeah, not a surprise. I just think between the starters that Cleveland has with Shane Bieber, uh, it's Tristan McKenzie up there, Cal Quantrill's in there. Plesak we're not really scared of, but it's never going to go that far. You already mentioned that they have one of the best closers in all of baseball. Glass now, if he was here for a full season, would have probably at least made this an interesting three-game series. I think Cleveland's going to end up having, at the very least, one of their two wins be a blowout, and it's not going to be close. I think this is one of the most high-octane offenses in baseball. It's, for to some degree, underrated. But uh, I can't bet against Shane Bieber. And you, as Jason already mentioned, you can't bet against Emmanuel Class. Like, you can't – you just can't do it. So uh, for me, I feel like if you take Tampa Bay, you just want to have some fun. But really, if you're going to put money on a team here, it's got to be Cleveland. Well, I am not going to be the outlier here. It is a clean sweep uh, for the Guardians. The Guardians, I think, were 20-5 and five at, at one point uh, in September, or perhaps that was their September record. By far the hottest team in MLB. Tampa, the exact opposite. Lost eight of their last 10. So went straight into the cooler. They lost uh, one of their better relievers, uh, Pache. Um, so he, he won't be pitching in here, but... Uh, you've got Oscar Gonzalez, who has just gone on an absolute tear for Cleveland over the course of that month. They've got probably one of the greatest postseason managers of all time, uh, you know, going to be leading them through this series. And, uh, and that, of course, is Terry Francona. He has a much better pitching staff this time around than he did in that 2016 run. 
you know, Corey Kluber was great that year. Trevor Bauer had a, a nice start in the in the postseason at our expense, but was hot garbage for most of it. And I forget that spot starter they were using uh, basically as their number three. I meant to look that up, but he, he's got probably one of the better rotations he's ever had uh, in a postseason this time around. It's the youngest team in Major League Baseball. And I was listening to Buster Olney's podcast uh, throughout the week. He thinks that the Guardians are going to win the World Series. <laughs> he said that in his podcast. And I don't think anyone last year thought the Atlanta Braves on October 1st were going to make that run that they did. Uh, the Nationals, same thing could be said in uh, 2019. And, you know, the vibes are very similar with this uh, Guardians team. So... Um, and then one last final note, in that uh, more recent series that uh, Cleveland and Tampa had, uh, Cleveland took two out of the three, and in those two wins, it was two to one in both games. That's how lights out their pitching was. So Guardians uh, for me as well. Oh, that was that was quick. We blew through that one. <laughs> this could be a 30-minute show at this pace. Uh, next series, uh, sticking with the uh, American League, will be the Mariners traveling to Toronto to play the Jays in the Rogers Center. Cody, how do you have this one going? Um, as much as I would love to see the Mariners win, you know, they had that great feel-good story, ends the postseason drought, uh, the walk-off home run, pinch hit, Cal Raleigh, Florida State, love to see it. Um, I don't think they get it done in Toronto. Um, you look at the offense that, that Toronto has, it's top to bottom, it's deep, they can leave the park at any time. Um, you know, you got guys that have, have done well in the postseason in, in years past there as well, right? So the stage should theoretically not be too large. Um, the strength of Seattle's team, um, I think is going to be pitching and the guys, their studs, uh, their horses kind of limp to the finish line, right. Between, uh, Robbie Ray and, and, uh, Castillo, they just, they didn't close out the season as, as strong as, as you would have expected out of, out of your horses. Um, and, you know, to try to keep Vladimir Guerrero Jr. down to try to keep, um, Bichette down, I think it's going to be too much of, of the Seattle uh, rotation. Um, I see. I see Toronto winning this one in two. Very good, Jason. I'm going to take Toronto as well. I don't see them winning in two. I, I think that Seattle will steal a game in this one, but um, Toronto just has too much firepower for them. And I think Seattle. You know, Julio Rodriguez is back, and he's you know doing his thing. That's great. Their pitching did kind of falter down towards the end their bullpen's nasty uh, Seattle's bullpen is great so if they can get an early lead they can probably hang on to it I just don't think they have enough offense to be able to do that um and they have to go to Toronto Toronto plays really well at home and again I just I think Toronto's offense is going to be too much I, I don't think Seattle's pitching is going to be able to keep guys like Vladdy and uh Tay Oscar and George Springer down so um, I think Toronto's going to slug their way past this one, and they'll they'll win the series. All right. Well, we can't go off again and just have what is that? This will be eight agreements in a row. So 
I'm going to take Toronto with a caveat here. If Toronto loses game one with Manoa, Seattle wins the series because I Toronto can't afford for this series to go three. So that's how I'm putting it. So it doesn't sound like we're just agreeing across the board because that doesn't happen on this podcast. So, yeah, if Toronto locks game one down with Manoa, I think they win uh, because I – I think Kevin Gosman's fine. I don't think that finger injury is too much to be worried about. Uh, we would have heard a lot more about, you know, concerns coming from their clubhouse if that were the case. But, you know, the only thing the Mariners have going on that's better than Toronto right now in any, you know, position, and this isn't even a position, it's just being the team of destiny. And you can only ride that so far when the talent you're facing is that much better. Uh so they really do need to knock off Manoa game one to have a chance. So, you know, again, with an asterisk, I'm going Toronto in this series. So I don't, I don't want to hear an asterisk, Andrew. You're one of the most talented podcasting folks that I know. If you had to pick a team right now, asterisk aside, got to pick one. Who do you go? Oh, it's, it's Toronto. And I okay. really don't want them to. Okay. <laughs> I respect that. I respect I that. Manoa putting you on the spot and saying that. But frankly, so, so we're not going to agree. And it's not just because it, it's you that said all of that or Jason, because I agree with him about 95% of every show or Cody, because he's been here for six minutes. I am taking Seattle all the way for three. And here's why. I think Jose Barrios completely busted this year. His ERA was over five. I don't remember where it landed, but he did not pitch the way anyone expected him to pitch. I think Alec Manoa is the only pitcher in that rotation that I can consistently say is terrifying. If you shut down Vladimir Guerrero, Whit Merrifield is a nothing. Bo Bichette was non-existent for the last week outside of his four-hit game. How do I know? Because I had him on my fantasy team and he killed me. George Springer, I don't know what's going to happen. Teoscar Hernandez is, has had a, a lackluster year. Obviously, yes, he was injured for a little bit of that as well. I honestly feel that like Rodriguez for Seattle is going to take it in a whole nother level. If you shut down Julio Rodriguez, you still have Ty France. Eugenio Suarez is boomer bust, but he's probably the guy that hits a home run with two guys on and hits, you know, goes two for 11 in the series with two homers and seven RBIs. He's probably going to do it. Mitch Hanniger, we don't know. Carlos Santana was a hoorah story. I'm still not sure what's going to happen there. Uh, Cody, you mentioned that Luis Castillo didn't finish the season on a good note. I think he his last appearance wasn't bad. And I, I'm only, again, knowing this because of who I face in fantasy. And so I'm paying attention. I think Logan Gilbert, George Kirby are both going to have a part in this. Robbie Ray, regardless of how people think about him, I'm not concerned about Seattle. I can't count Seattle out. I think Toronto will come back with a vengeance because this was the team that a lot of us thought was going to go very far and it didn't happen. I think Seattle is the team that no one has as much or as many expectations for. And because of that, I do not think you're going to shut down both Ty France and Julio Rodriguez. I think one of them is going to go off. I think Julio Rodriguez could have something similar to like a, a six or seven for 13 or seven for 14 in the series with three or four home runs. It's completely possible because the guy's incredibly talented. This is one of the future faces in the American league, not to say like he's bigger than Aaron judge, but I'm totally taking Seattle in this series, Seattle in three, no asterisks aside, no like subtle shot there. I'm, I'm full bore against Toronto in this one. I'm going all Seattle three games. Charlie with the stones going against the grain. 
I am gonna side with the majority on this one and take the Blue Jays. Blue Jays ended the year uh, winning eight of their last 11. I'm a big September momentum guy. That's going to be a theme for me uh, throughout this episode. But unlike any other team, any other home team, I think Toronto is going to be the most hostile environment. I think it's going to be the most explosive of all the stadiums. I think that fan base is excited. They started off the year very underwhelming. And after they fired Charlie Montoyo, they kind of got it together. And I just think it's too explosive of an offense. Bo Bichette, one of the better players in the last month, uh, hit over 400, drove in almost 30 runs, just absolutely exploded. George Springer, tons of postseason experience there. You know, he'll probably have a leadership role on the team. Teoscar Hernandez, Vladimir Jr. And I picked Alec Manoa to win the Cy Young. And uh, that probably won't happen, but he did have uh, a stellar year. And he's one of those guys. He's a tough guy. He likes to, he likes to talk shit. He likes to thump his chest. And I, I think the, I, I think the team is just going to pull a lot of energy off of him and, and they're going to win game one. And I, I think they figure it out. Ross Stripling, one of the, one of the more underrated guys of, of the 2022 season, uh, ERA down close to three. I don't I don't see Toronto losing this series at home. I, I really don't. And uh, the the Mariners rotation struggled a little bit uh, in the uh, in the month of September. Uh, their be- best pitcher was actually Logan Gilbert. Robbie Ray got knocked around by the Braves, Angels, and Oakland for four or five runs in, in each of those. Castillo got tagged a couple of times against the Royals uh, in Oakland as well. And none of those teams have an offense like Toronto. Uh, Robbie Ray, uh, the one thing that that does give me a little bit of pause is he won a Cy Young in Toronto. I don't think he's going to be phased at all. And uh, he only gave up two runs uh, in his one appearance against Toronto this year. But um, it, if, if, the, if Charlie's right though, and the Mariners pull this off, I wonder how much remorse there will be for not bringing back Ray. But, um, but, uh, that aside, I'm still going with Toronto switching over to the national league. We will go with the Phillies Cardinal series. Cody, how do you have this one going? Uh, so this is this is the first upset that I see in in the postseason. Uh, I, I like the Phillies here. Um, I think there's too much power in that lineup. I mean, you've got uh, Harper. Uh, you've got um, man. I have pulled up here. You got Harper. You got Schwarber. You got Real Muto, Baum, Hoskins. There's there's too many guys that can leave the yard at any given moment in time. Um, you know, there's nothing that's super scary about the Cardinals rotation or bullpen. Um, I know that Bush stadium is a little bit stingy for, for home runs, but you know, it only takes a couple of pops. And, and as we've kind of mentioned on, on this pod already, right. You know, if, if that 
visiting team gets that game one or, you know, gets some energy early, that's sometimes all it takes. And, and suddenly that baseball looks like a watermelon. Uh, there's too many guys that can leave the yard. Um, I think I think Philly outslugs uh, St. Louis and, and takes this one. Jason. I also like Philly in this one, um, but not because of their offense. I actually like their pitching better than St. Louis's. Um, Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez. And the Cardinals, at least according to ESPN, they're throwing out Jose Quintana game one. Are you kidding me? I thought Jose Quintana was out of the league. I didn't realize that he wound up in St. Louis, and I know that he's been decent since he got there, but really? Jose Quintana, that's your game one starter? And then after that, it's Miles Mikolas, who's a little bit above average at best. And then if there's a game three, I guess it'll be Wayno. So I don't love that for St. Louis. I think their offense is pretty much just Goldschmidt and Arenado. Everyone else, they don't have Tyler O'Neill. He's hurt. He's one of their better bats. Tommy Edmond has taken a step back this year. So they don't have a ton of firepower either. Um, I think Philly's pitching is actually what's going to do it for them. And it's kind of tough to pick them because talk about a team that stumbled their way to the finish line going 11 and 14 in September, but they somehow snuck in. Um, you know, their offense does have a lot of pure power in it. Obviously, Kyle Schwarber with his 46 home runs. But, you know, I, I think that they've also got some disciplined hitters in there, guys like Real Muto. Bryce Harper is back to being Bryce Harper slowly but surely. So I just think the Phillies have every advantage here. The only advantage they don't have is the field. They're going to have to go to St. Louis to do it. But I, I love their pitching, and I, I hate what St. Louis is throwing out there. I think that their pitching is going to get them in trouble. So I'm taking the Phillies as well. The Phillies have an undeniable advantage uh, games one and two with the starting rotation. There's no doubting that. And yeah, the Jose, the Jose Quintana thing, just, it, it's kind of shocking. I, I had no idea even through 160 plus innings. Cause when I saw their rotation being set, I was like, no, like real. Wow. Okay. We're going to go with this. But yeah, the one thing that really sticks out to me though, is what do they say? When you're out of position, the ball will find you. And how many Phillies players are out of position? I think this is where it rears its ugly head. They got away with it for – barely got away with it for 162 games, and it came down to game 162. I think the defense could really show up. We saw some really bad highlights or lowlights out of this team this year at third, at short, at left and right. And I, I think that could be their just unraveling here. I you look on the other side of the field and the Cardinals, what gold Glover at first gold Glover at third, both are platinum gloves, uh, Yachty behind the plate. And they do have the winner for Yachty winner for Wayno thing going on too. That's their, you know, their last dance as everyone's keeps putting it since the Jordan doc came out. So I have to go Cardinals in this, despite the uh, pitching advantage that the uh, Phillies do hold. I mean, it's going to be really hard to top that. I think that Quintana, Quintana actually had a look at it because I was like, wait, did he actually pitch the whole season? His last couple starts, I mean, not crazy, but didn't pitch nearly as bad as I think we all thought he probably should be. I don't think that we're going to see a ridiculous resurgence from Bryce Harper. I think there's going to be a significant amount of pressure on JT Realmuto to succeed, to do crazy work. 
Kyle Schwarber is not going to be banging in the playoffs. That's just not going to happen. And there's, I don't know what Nick Castellanos is going to be doing either. I think that St. Louis is going to have multiple players on that team with something to prove. Finally, Paul Goldschmidt has a real chance instead of being in Arizona. He's not going to be in that dumpster fire of an organization. I do think that Arenado is going to do work. And how can you not want to see Albert Pujols advance past the NLDS or the wild card round first? I mean, this is like the Cinderella story. Just keep on going. I don't want to. I mean, I went to school in Philly for a year and they sucked the year that I was there. The following year I leave and they win the World Series, which pretty much upset me. That's another little issue that I have with Philly. They couldn't do anything while I was there. Um, I, I think it's going to be, you know, pitching is what wins ball games. But at the end of the day, you also need to score runs. And St. Louis is going to score a lot more runs than Philly will. So I'm going to say St. Louis also in three. Well, we're tied and I have to break it. Um, I also have tons of trust issues with the Phillies. They're by far a much more fun team than the Cardinals are, but you've got Harper, who I think is the DH. Am I correct on that? Because of his elbow? Yeah. So that means Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber are going to have to play the field, and two of the worst defenders we've we've seen, and we had a front row seat for part of it last year. Not that, not that he was like super terrible, but... Um, I just think the Phillies are a little bit better balanced and uh, they're a lot more focused. The Phillies had a couple of five-game losing streaks uh, within the last uh, several weeks of the season. Uh, one of those was pretty late. They they nearly coughed it up to the Brewers and then the Brewers just kind of tanked, you know, in the final four or five games. But um, I... Uh, and then the other thing that, that nobody mentioned, the Phillies have the number 23 ranked bullpen. So are they going to be able to to hold any leads they might have is, is a huge question mark for me. And there's finally, there's just, there's just something magic about the, you know, Pujols, Wainwright and Yadier Molina. They're all age 40 or higher. Molina turned 40 in July. I don't love the starting pitching matchups, but I have to give it, I have to give it to the Cardinals. And it seems like the Cardinals in previous years, they went to the uh, NLCS, I think against the Nationals went pretty deep that year. Um, and it's just a very veteran team and the the Phillies finally snapped their streak, but I don't know. It's it'll be better for baseball though for the Phillies and that that explosive lineup to go further. But I, I have to go with my gut, um, and uh, that's going to be the Cardinals. So finally, we will uh, get to the uh, probably one of the more exciting series, uh, I, probably the most exciting series I think uh, of this round. We've got the Mets hosting the Padres. And uh, go ahead, Cody. How do you have that one? Yeah, you kind of took my, my intro there, right? I was going to say <laughs> this one, I think, has the most eyeballs on it for, 
for the casual fans, right? Um, obviously, they had a shaky end of the season there. The Braves were you know able to catch them and, and get that two seed. Um, but with this being a three-game series, you know it's really just a, an all-out sprint, right? You need to win two games, and if you got Scherzer and Degrom back to back, I think that's too hard uh, to pick against. You know, obviously the Padres have a, a deep lineup. They've got you know uh, Soto, they've got um, Machado. I mean, they, they've got great bats. They've got great pitching uh, in their own right with with Darvish and Musgrove and uh, Blake Snell and Sean Manea, but. Um, you know, the postseason is where Max Scherzer has made his money, right? He, he's been solid seemingly every time out. He takes the ball, um, you know, takes it for seven plus one one run ball for the for the most part. Um, and I think both him and DeGrom get it figured out. They got those clunkers out uh, seemingly when it didn't matter. I know it obviously cost them the division, but, uh, you know, it's win or go home now. And and those are the guys that you you want to back. Those are the guys that you're going to you're going to trust. I think I think the Mets get it done. Um in this one here. Yeah, this was a tough one. Um, but I'm also going to take the Mets. And it's because if you look a little closer at that Padres lineup, it's, you know, in terms of guys who are actually performing, it's just Manny Machado. Juan Soto and Josh Bell have sucked since they got there. Um, you know, even guys like Jake Cronworth isn't having a great year. Um, their offense really relies on Machado to drive it. Now their their pitching is really good. Darvish is good. Um, you know, I don't know who they're going to slate for the other two games. It, you know, it's going to be some combination of Snell and Musgrove or whatever. But you know, they're going to have good arms. But if the Mets win Game One with Scherzer and they're able to push Degrom back even a little bit further, maybe go Bassett Game Two, save Degrom for maybe a deciding game. I think it's going to give them an advantage. And I think there's a lot of pressure on the Padres. And I think they're starting to feel it a little bit because that's a team that the last couple of years has been going all in, in terms of acquiring players, blowing up their farm a little bit, trying to compete with the Dodgers. And if they don't win this year, they're kind of staring at, you know, a little bit of a problem heading into the next couple of years. I mean, for free agents, Manaya. Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, and Mike Clevenger are all free agents after this year. They might lose all those guys. Um, and then the big sort of black cloud looming over them is that Manny Machado has an opt-out after next year. And if Manny Machado looks around and kind of says, okay, we haven't gotten it done in the playoffs all these years. The prospects that we have when I first signed here are gone. This Tatis kid can't keep his head on straight. I'm out of here. He's making $30 million. He's probably a top three third baseman, maybe the best third baseman in all of baseball. He can make more than $30 million, especially if he has another year next year like he did this year. So that's looming over their heads. I, I think there's just too much pressure on that team, and I think the Mets just, even though they floundered a little bit in September and they pissed away their division lead, I think Buck Showalter is going to get them focused and, and ready for playoff baseball, and I think they're going to knock the Padres out. So I'll take the Mets. Yeah, you know, I do think the Padres have a lot of pressure on, on them, like you said. But I think the team with more is actually the Mets here. Uh, I just, you know, the the limelight, the spotlight's been on them this entire season. 
they really kind of embraced where the team they'll beat, blah, blah, blah. You know, the Braves got off to a little bit of a slow start, ran through some injuries. The Mets thought they owned that division. It all turned. And now, you know, the, the Mets aren't the most feared team in baseball. They squandered that lead, like you said. And he, that puts a spotlight back on them. And it's a pretty bright and hot burning spotlight at that. I think the Padres come in and win it. Uh, you know, I love you, Darvish, as a pitcher. I think he's great. If there's any guy that's going to be able to match up with uh, Scherzer game one, I think it's I think it's him. And I don't really trust the Mets lineup. I don't think it's that deep. Starling Marte being out is huge. He was such a cog to their machine. And they actually had Darvish's numbers, if you number, if you look at it career uh, career wide, he he roughed him up, and they don't have that you know, spark setter at the uh, top of the lineup there. So I'm going San Diego. I think they can get it done. Jake Musgrove had some interesting comments today where he said, you know, I want to win in 2017, but that was with the Astros and I want to win a legit one now. So that was, that was very interesting to me. And I think maybe it could be a rallying point for them. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's me just, reading too much into it, but I think there's a lot of pressure uh, on these Mets to win, uh, to win these games. I quite frankly, don't trust it. I I know that Juan Soto hasn't been that good uh, since, you know, switching sides of the country, but if there's one player in the league that could just, you know, absolutely just turn at the drop of a uh, hat, it's him. And I think that they will uh, handle the Mets in, I think they could get it done too. Wow. Go ahead, Charlie. Well, this is going to be adorable because I actually don't think the Padres stand a damn chance. <laughs> I think the Mets are going to win both games, one, two. And, uh, you know, while we can sit here and say certain players can do great work in a moment's time, Juan Soto's been, it's been mostly like 1 0. I haven't seen anything from him in San Diego, like just not enough. Josh Bell, I think, is hitting under 200 since he joined San Diego. Josh Hader forgot where his balls were. Excuse me. It just was awful. He completely fell apart. Blake Snell, underperformed. Sean Mania, underperformed. Clevenger, I don't even think he's – is he back yet or is he still out? He's Leaves back. You, okay, he's back. Yeah. Musgrove did pretty well, and you Darvish did great. Let's match that up with – Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, and we haven't even talked about Cookie. They have the better closer in in that series, Edwin Diaz over Josh Hader right now, because I at least know that if I'm giving the ball to Edwin Diaz, we're winning that game. I think Pete Alonso hasn't missed a beat. Francisco Lindor has been waiting for a moment like this. Even though Starling Marte is not there, I'm still not scared. I'm still not worried. We've been saying that pitching is what wins ballgames, and I usually stick by what I say in the sense of the better team with is probably going to be the one better pitching. In this case, it's not. It's undeniable. Jacob Degrom, Max Scherz, and Chris Bassett one, two, three are disgusting. And I don't remember who it was that said if they could push. I think it was Jason. Jason that said if they could push back Jacob Degrom. Was it you that said that? Perfect. Okay. So even if you can do that for a day, I mean, Scherzer winning game one that's huge. You don't have to worry about Degrom until maybe game three. I'm okay with that. I think that Chris Bass is going to do a serviceable job in game two in this one. Mets in two. Done. I'm looking forward to this series. 
there's probably no one-two punch outside of DeGrom and Scherzer that gives me the same vibes of Pedro and Schilling. They're, both of these guys on the Mets are at the same point of their career as Pedro and Schilling both were. Pedro was 34 uh, in 2004. Uh, that's how old Jake DeGrom is right now. Schilling was actually 37 years old in his first year with Boston. And um, uh, Scherzer's uh, just turned uh, 38 a couple months ago. But like Schilling, Scherzer has his ring. And uh, there's just a lot of uh, similarities to me. I think the the Mets lineup is is pretty well balanced. I mean, Alonzo was off the charts this year, 131 runs batted in, 40 home runs. Francisco Lindor finally is living up to the contract after a couple of relatively quiet years. You're going to have guys. I think Jeff McNeil actually is going to win the batting title in the National League this year. And then you're going to have role players in there, you know, like uh, Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, Daniel Vogelback, uh, Tyler Naquin just has the flair for the dramatic uh, at, at times. And, I just I just like this this Mets team. They've got an owner with a chip on his shoulder. I think the manager has a chip on his shoulder after being out of MLB for a while, Buck Showalter. Uh and I I think this team is is sick of being second fiddle to the Yankees all the time and I just I really think they can pull it together. You Darvish has had some, you know, nervous moments in the postseason. Blake Snell, I think, isn't he the game two starter? He's he's been very good uh, in the second half, of set especially. But I don't know if I really trust him in a big game situation. And if there's anyone I don't trust in a big game, it's Josh Hader to hold that late lead. Blew it against the Nationals. Like they they owe him a World Series ring uh, from 2019 because he blew it in that wild card game, and then the Nationals went on that epic run. And he's he's a bit of a head case, got off to a rough start out there uh, in San Diego, as you guys mentioned, and I just don't trust him. I think Edwin Diaz, I mean, he's been the best reliever, uh, in best closer, I should say, in, in baseball this year. I just, I can't pick against the Mets, but... Um, so that that's uh, where I have to go. So it looks like in every series here, uh, except the Cleveland Rays series, we don't have we don't have a sweep. So, uh, so uh, Terry, I'm recording everything right now just so we have that. Yeah, uh, let's just go. Let's go over that real quick. So Cody, Jason, Andrew, Charlie, Terry, Rays, Guardians. We all picked the Guardians. Did we pick them all in three? I haven't really been giving uh, scores, but. Um... I'm saying I said I would say probably three. two for me, but I say okay. Guardians in three. Okay, Jason Ter- and Jason and Andrew. Yeah, I'll say Guardians in three. Andrew, believe I went Guardians in three. I think that's what you said too, but I wasn't 100 sure. Okay, Mariners, Blue Jays. Everybody said Toronto except for me. Cody, you said Blue Jays in what? I, I like I think it's Toronto and two. Okay, Jason. I agree. Toronto and two. 
Okay. Mine was Thank Toronto you. with a caveat, so I don't even know how That's you put good. that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say we'll give you three. Uh, I said Mariners. We're going to win that one. I don't remember if I said Mariners in two or three, though. I thought you did I think, say oh, no, two. Mariners, Mariners in three because Manoa is going to win his. Okay. Yep, and then, Terry, you said Blue Jays in what? I'll say two. Okay. All right, series call. Phillies, Cardinals. Cody. Uh, I like Phillies in three for that one. Jason? Phillies in three. Andrew? Cardinals in three. Love it. Terry? I don't know what it is, but um, I'm still taking Cardinals in two here. Okay. And then last but not least, we got the Padres and Mets. Andrew said Padres in two. Charlie, Mets in two. Uh, Cody, what you, would you have? I said Mets in two, and I'm fully looking forward to being on the wrong side of all of these. <laughs> no, I was. I said Mets in two as well. Jason? Uh, Mets in three. Okay. And Terry, Mets in what? I'll, I'll stick with it. Mets in two. Done deal. All right, right on. We got everyone locked in. This should be fun. All right. And uh, just a call, if you guys want to add in anything, I, I think Preller gets fired by the end of the weekend. I, I think he'll be done after trading half his farm over the last few years um, and coming up short with, you know, having Soto on his team. And uh, that's about all I got. But any uh, closing observations? I guess the one the one thing I'll throw out there real quick is if the Mets get eliminated, does it make it more or less likely that DeGrom hops out? Here he said he was opting out. Oh, he already said. Yeah, he said it before oh. the season. And then yeah, when he came mind. back from the injury or when he was down, he's like, yeah, I'm still opting out. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's one of the best storylines of the postseason. Wow. So he's committed to that, huh? Oh yeah. It's going to so be interesting. Yeah. Pressures. Yeah. Even more pressure on the Mets than like Terry said. Yeah. As, as soon as you said that too, Jason, I was like, I'm pretty sure he said he was going to, regardless of the status of his injury, because he was out of commission for so long, which I found to be very interesting. Like you're gambling on yourself, and Degrom came back balls to the wall and did just pitched nails. Did. Yeah. So he's there. He's still there. If he's lights out, if they can go a couple of rounds, and, and who knows, they could go all the way to the World Series. I wouldn't be shocked. Right. And right. and he has some big moments. Then maybe he will get that big deal. But when he went, when he got hurt and went right on the injured list, I'm like, this guy's a fool if he opts out. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna take a chance on him and get burnt? But well, he can just make Cohen pay him more. You know, sure. he can just get that same uh, Scherzer deal. That's probably what'll happen if. If they win, I, I would think. I, I mean, how do you replace him? Scherzer got what three for four, three for one thirty, something, something like that. Yeah, he's not going to get that. Crazy he's, like he, that. Yeah, he's not going to get that because Degrom is Degrom's not as old as him, but Degrom's close. He's like 34, 35. He's thirty four. Yeah, is he really thirty four now? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's not that many miles on his arm since you know. Was but he's had uh, right. He started late. He kind of blossomed late. He just has had really awful luck and no offense he's had the most the most games with like the least amount of pitching or, or offensive support in the last like decade it's it's not even funny it's not even close like he he should have won well like 30 40 more games it's insane but um yeah just looking at it right now uh max scherzer signed a three for 130 jacob Degrom is finishing up a five for 137.5 million a 2023 option and 2024, uh, 2023, it's saying is, is part of it, but that's 
he did mention that he was opting out. So he must have multiple opt outs. Actually, well, he's got thirty two and a half million due to him in twenty twenty three and then a team option for that same amount. So I think probably a three year deal gets it done at some point because he's only guaranteed thirty two and a half. So if you give him, let's say, thirty five per for three years, what's that? Three years hundred and five. I think that probably would get it done. But it's uh, going to be one of the more interesting storylines. And I'll say it right now. I'll be the first to say it. I don't want the Red Sox to touch him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Oh, same here. No. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I'm not telling you right now. They, they're not even like, you'll hear them, but it's not going to be true. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have interest. It'll be like the Freddie Yeah, Freddy interest, show. exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think similar to you, gents. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But, oh, man, Jacob DeGrom in Boston would be so nice. I mean, you oh. got to love the high end of it, but at this point, we just need guys that can take the ball every fifth day, 30 times a year. We don't, we don't need that ace at the moment if we can't make it through three, three flips of the rotation. One. Yeah, we already right. have a broken one. Yeah, I, I don't need a right-handed version of Chris Sale. Thank you very much. Ah, oh, it hurts. Did did Hein Bloom take a shot at Chris Sale earlier? I forgot to mention that in the not in the really. He was like, you know, like I've because. He's supported him in the past saying like, it's not his fault for all this shit that's happened. And like, it's bad luck. And whoever has the voodoo doll, like cut it out. And I don't know. It was more tongue in cheek saying, you know, you could probably count on how many times I've said this before of how we expect him to take the ball or be ready to start the season. I, I didn't hear that part, so I only read it. So I, you know, perhaps I don't have all the context, but this there is was a- no malice intended. I, I watched the whole thing. It was just, uh, yeah, there, w- there was no underlying context in there. Here's the quote for the audience. Uh, this is Bloom talking about sale. He says, there's no reason looking at next year why he shouldn't be a huge part of this. And then it's he goes on to say, you can probably find a lot of instances of me saying that over the last few years. So that's where I wondered if the shot came well, in. I, if you remember, he got pulled out of his like mid run workout in spring training and like literally came directly from a run and was in front of the press dripping sweat in his workout clothes when sales uh, broken rib was uh, that news broke. So he, he's had kind of a history with uh, telling people that Chris has been hurt. Yeah. We'll see. I'll, uh, I got plenty of Chris sale takes for, uh, for this winter anyway, but all right, we will uh, go ahead and wrap it on that. That was surprisingly a fast show, uh, 46 minutes and it, it could have been uh, a little quicker uh, you know, without the freestyling. So we'll be back on Sunday to kind of recap uh, this series a little bit, and then we'll get right into our divisional series picks. And that's when we'll start to see the, you know, the Astros, Yankees, Dodgers, and Braves, the the big juggernaut teams will, uh, you know, finally be back on the field. So Everybody, uh, if you're going to be able to watch these games, enjoy them. And if not, have a great weekend anyway. Take care.